Welcome to another episode of Jujitero's Coast to Coast, the podcast that talks about what's important on and off the mats. I'm your boy Frank. On today's episode, I'm going to be going over this past weekend's Who's Number One show, headlined by Misa Bastos and Brianna Saint Marie, and that UFC 281 Adesanya Pereira show. Man, what a great weekend of fights! Uh, but unfortunately, before we get into the episode, if you have not heard. We lost a legend this past weekend. The great Anthony Rumble Johnson passed away on Sunday. Uh, I guess he had been dealing with some pretty bad, serious health issues. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get over them. We lost a legend, man. Thank you for the memories, Rumble. You were a bad man. And for a time, one of, if not the scariest man on the entire planet, for sure. May you rest in eternal paradise, champ. is the motivation. Man, oh man, as I was saying, UFC 281, mega banger, guys. Mega banger, man. If you did not catch it, let me tell you what, man. It's well worth your money. Go out there, spend your hard-earned cash on this bad boy, or go stream it or download the torrent or something. But you need to go watch this because it was stacked from top to bottom. And for once, the entire card lived up to all the hype, man. Let's start with the prelims. I ended up going 3-1 and one on my prelim pick, so not too bad. Not a, not a bad way to start the night off. Uh, I ended up going 4-1 and one on the main card. So did uh, Eddie and Alfonso. The only difference was we went different ways on the Dan Hooker fight. Me and Eddie took uh, Puelas and Alfonso took Dan Hooker. So I'll get to that in a little bit. So not a bad night's worth the work. So I caught the early prelims just in time to catch the Matt Frivola fight against Otman Azatar. Now, I only watched this fight because I listen to the Anik and Florian podcast every week. And they all every week they have a segment with Ray Longo called the Longo Minute. And he's always hollering about his boys. Matt Frivola is one of Ray Longo's uh, training or fighters under his belt. And so he was talking a little bit about him. So it's almost like you're cheering on for somebody you kind of know. And dang, Frivola put it on Ottman. The, the heat was on Ottman. I want to say Ottman was, Ottman was a slight underdog, but he was coming in with some with some heat. Because he had taken out his last two opponents, I want to say by TK or something like that. But Frivola put a major beat down on Azatar, stopped him by KO in the first round. As uh, soon as the fight was over, he got the mic. Frivola stepped up and called out Patty. Everybody's been wanting to get at Patty, but Frivola's got a little streak. Patty's on a streak, so I think Patty's paired up to fight somebody pretty soon. 
So if Patty does go on to win that match, as he should, that wouldn't be a pretty that'd be a pretty good matchup. Um, the next fight that you should check out on the prelims: Andre Petrovsky taking on Wellington Turman. Petrovsky's a name you're going to be hearing a lot about in the upcoming future. He's a hot, hot prospect. I thought he was ranked, but apparently he's not. He's got four fights under his belt. Uh, let's talk about this fight here, man. This was just a big man clinic of grappling. So this was a 185-pound fight. I'm sure both guys walked into the cage easily over 210, 215, I'm sure. Both guys look solid on the ground. There are some pretty decent striking but you can tell from the giggle that Petrovsky just wanted it a little bit more. He, I almost thought he was going to run out of gas because he was putting so much heat and pressure on Wellington. But in the end, he was able to score takedowns. He was able to impose his will. He got some GMP in. He did land some shots. Uh, but in the end, it just wasn't enough, and he ended up securing a unanimous decision. And once Petrovsky got on the mic, he called out UFC's newcomer Bo Nickel. That would be a really cool matchup. Uh, I do want to say maybe Petrovsky should be fighting somebody maybe like in the 15 to number 12-ish range and let Nickel get a fight or two under his belt, you know. Uh, but that will be eventually those two guys are going to cross paths, and that's going to be a killer, killer matchup to look out for. So Andre Petrovsky, again, taking that one by unanimous decision. Next matchup you should definitely check out. Moment of silence, please, for the chin of Dominic Reyes. Because, dang, Dominic Reyes, Ryan Spawn, Dominic Reyes, RIP, bro, because I don't know where your head is at. I don't know if you want to keep doing this. Uh, it looked bad from the get-go. It didn't take very long for Spad to feel him out, find his range. And once he did, it was a slaughter, man. He was just dropping Heavy, heavy bombs on, on Dom from the get-go. And eventually, he just put his lights out. Uh, once again, once the fight was over. So we had a one round one finish here. And once it was over, he got on the mic. This guy starts talking about how he doesn't really train. And actually, this was the first time that he trained. And I want to say that he told Joe Rogan that he trained for three weeks for this fight, which is more than he's ever trained for any other fight. And this is probably what he's going to start doing from here on out. So if that is true, damn, everyone else better freaking watch out because he is a specimen. He's got the hammers. He's got the power. It looks like his technique is coming along because Dominic Reyes ain't no joke, man. He had been training with Glover Teixeira and Alex Pereira, which we'll talk about him in a little bit later on. Uh, but, man, you know, where where's Dom at and where does he go from here? You know, it's just he's taken a lot, a lot of bad damage in his last hand and his last, what, four fights now. This is not something that he should tread lightly. He took a big, big break between this fight and the Projaska fight. So uh, I don't know. Maybe he takes another long break. Maybe he trains camps. Maybe he just needs to change his fighting style. You know, maybe don't stand in front of people and bang. Use your athleticism. Start in and out. You know, play a little Izzy style game and use your wrestling. Use your athleticism to get in and, and get get a quick day takedown where you won't take as much damage. I don't know, man. But it was a killer, killer matchup. 
Things are going to be looking really good for Spawn, as I'm sure he's going to be jumping up some spots. Um, I see him moving up inside number inside the top six. I think he was ranked at number 12. So possible matchups that would make sense up in the round six, five, four range. Jamal Hill, Alexander Rakic, once he comes back from his injury, Anthony Lionheart Smith, those would all make really good sense matchups for the next time Spawn gets in the cage. Now, uh, yeah, man, that was a killer, killer fight. Now, the main card or the main fight of the prelims, Hinato Moicano taking on Brad Wydell. Dudes, what a fight for Moicano. He came out like he wanted to prove a point. Like he had a chip on his shoulder. He dominated every aspect of the fight. Stand-up game, check. Grappling game, check. Hinato ended up finishing this one by rear naked. Uh, round one, then he went on the mic, and it sounded like he was just calling everybody out, putting everybody on on blast. Sounded like after his last fight against RDA, you guys remember how he saved that card? We talked a little bit about that on the last episode. Uh, but I, it sounded like he had some hurt feelings from the results of that match and possibly read a lot of bad tweets or just shit talkers, keyboard warriors on the internet. And he remembered all of that. Uh, good, good fight for Moicano. He looked really good. So what's next for Moicano? He's not ranked either. So he's got to work on getting into the top 15 first. Uh, him and Brad Rydell weren't ranked. So this match didn't really prove much other than one guy's tougher than the other. But how about this? How about this for a crazy idea? What about his next matchup, Hinato take on Dan Hooker? Dan Hooker just won. I'm going to get to that in just on the next matchup here. But I think that will be a really good matchup. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Main card of UFC 281. The whole card started off with Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puelles. Me and uh, your boy Eddie went with Claudio. Alfonso took the boy Dan Hooker. Freaking A, man. You know what? This is why... Nobody likes guard pullers. What the shit was going on, Puelas? I can see you going for an Eminari roll once, twice, three times, but I lost track. What was this, 15, 16, 17 times? No, it wasn't that, that many times, but it was over the top, dude. There comes a time when you just give up on your plan A, and you got to move on to the next plan, man, because it was just... Eminari roll after Eminari roll. It just seemed like Buelis, his only game plan was he was going to try to get a footlock. And the only way he knew how to get there was by Eminari roll. Hooker was waiting for this, and he just basically beat the brakes off Claudio, man. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad Dan was due for a win. So good for you, Dan Hooker. Glad to see him get the W. And, and it was, you know, it was a decisive win. He beat the, like I said, he beat the brakes off of him. He wasn't messing around. He finished this one by TKO. It was like a couple minutes into round two, maybe. Uh, for whatever reason, Claudio was not standing up anymore. He took a couple body kicks uh, from Hooker. But, dude, Dan looked pretty good, man. I know that Dan Hooker's Achilles heel has been has always seemed to be in grapplers. But for his next matchup, I wouldn't mind seeing him, like I said, Take on Hinato. Hinato Moicano would be a cool, cool matchup. You know who else would be a really cool matchup if he wants to jump up into the rankings would be uh, Mateus Gamrot, Armand Sarukian. I know both of those guys are 
six sick grapplers, and they would probably just immediately try to take Dan Hooker down. But uh, Dan Hooker, get your wrestling shoes ready, bro, because hey, that, those would be fire matchups. So I would love to see either of those three: Hinato, Gamrot, or Sarukim versus Dan Hooker as his next matchup. That would be pretty fun to watch. But like I said, Hooker, get your wrestling shoes on, bro. Start practicing your jujitsu defense. Your stand-up is crisp. Your stand-up is good, bro. Just keep doing what you're doing. It was a fun, fun matchup to watch. Uh, next matchup, Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez. So hard to watch, but we knew exactly what we were going to get, and we got it. Uh, this was typical Frankie Edgar as of late, getting knocked up before taking a super, super hard shot. And once again, it was a knee. It looked like Frankie was shooting in for a takedown. Gutierrez saw it come in and just, bam, took Frankie out. So uh, thank you for all the memories in the cage, Frankie. That was He said that was his last fight in. He's retiring. Not sure what's next for him. But whatever he does, he's going to be a champ forever, man. Uh, Frankie was the number 12th ranked fighter in the Bantamweight division. So I'm sure Gutierrez is going to take that position now. And he'll be positioning with some of the other fighters trying to move up, you know, uh, some matchups that would make sense to me because there's some guys that are just above him in the 12 to 15 rank range. Because as of right now, he's not even ranked. So uh, Song Yudong would be a good a, a good matchup. Ricky Simone, that would be a good matchup for Gutierrez. We'd get to see a lot of a lot more of each other's of both of those guys' games. But uh, it would definitely be a big step up in competition for Gutierrez. But uh, again, Song Yudong, Ricky Simone, cool ass matchups. Serve it up, UFC. Uh, the midpoint of the pay-per-view, Dustin Poirier taking on Michael Chandler. What an exciting fight. These guys were definitely just here for a good time and not a long time. Poirier ended up getting the, the finish, round three. We're naked. Talk about bad blood here. There was shit talking before. There was shit talking leading up to it. And there was still shit talking afterwards because... Afterwards, Poirier claimed that Michael Chandler was intentionally fish-hooking him in the second round when he was on his back. Uh, Chandler was later asked about this in the post-fight interview, and he said that it was he did do it. He admitted it, but that and it was only for a little bit. And when he did find his finger in someone's in Poirier's mouth, he said that Poirier was biting it. So. Um, I don't know. I've never stuck my hand in someone's mouth. I never tried. And it's never happened on accident. So uh, I'm calling bullshit on Chandler on that one. Uh, another fucking super shady move that Poirier accused Chandler of was, uh, you guys know, when you're rolling with your training partner and they unintentionally start leaking sweat into maybe your eye Hopefully not in your mouth, but it's definitely pouring all over your face at times. And it happens. It happens. Now, imagine that with blood. That's what Poirier said Chandler was doing. He said that in the second round, once again, when Chandler had the top position, that he was intentionally blowing his nose and just shooting blood all over the top of Poirier, which was not cool. Not cool at all. And if it was, in fact, true that he did do it on purpose, dirty, dirty, dirty. But uh, Poirier, again, just better than Chandler that night. I don't know why Chandler continues to get into these types of brawls where it's just a line drawn in the sand and it's rock and sock and robots because it never ends well for him, dude. 
it doesn't win well, and it's for sure taking years off the end of his uh, career for sure. He's got all the tools to beat people. I mean, look what he did in round two. He got super fucked up in round one, took a lot of damage, but in round two, set up the takedown with some strikes, shot in for a blast double, sucked up Poirier like I said he would be able to do if he was going to win the fight, and for a while, he was raining down damage. You know, he eventually got the, to the back of Poirier, but he just wasn't able to do it. Just It's really hard to keep up that pace. And, uh, yeah, man, Dustin just ended up eventually taking over and got that rear naked in round three. Now, what's next for Dustin? Uh, you know what I think makes sense is an interim title matchup with him and Benny Darius. you know, since uh, – Makachev is going to be taking on Volkanovski for whatever fucking reason. You know, that's going to put the 155 strap on hold. And since Volkanovski's moving up for that for that matchup, guess what the UFC did? Oh, they created an, inter- an interim matchup. I don't know if you guys heard this, but they announced it over the weekend. Yair Rodriguez is going to be taking on Josh Emmett. I didn't get the date for this, but they will be fighting for the 145 interim belt. Meanwhile, Makachev takes on Volkanovski. So, yeah, that's definitely cool. And I would definitely would not mind seeing a Dustin Poirier, Beniel Dariush on that same car. That could be main event, co-main event. What do you all think? Yeah? Dude, that's like 30% of a card already. UFC, send me a check. I'll be your matchmaker, man. Let's get to the co-main, co-main event. Carla, the Cookie Monster Esparza. Taking on Wei Li Zhang. Oh, by the way, in the Poirier matchup, we all went, all three of us, three amigos, went Dustin Poirier. And in the Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez matchup, we all went uh, Chris Gutierrez. Carlos Sparza, Wei Li Zhang. Yo, Wei Li is back, y'all. This was exactly what we thought was going to happen. Or actually, um, at least me and Eddie did. Me and Eddie uh, went with Wei Li on this one. Fonzo thought Carla was going to be able to squeeze out a decision, but dang, Wei Li had other shit, other plans. She just ended up smashing her. Carla did not look good in her fight against Rose. She squeaked out a decision, but you know what? To credit, credit Carla, they both look bad. So I guess we just took the worst, the least worst. Does that even make sense? Probably not. I don't know. I'm not an English major. Uh, I can barely podcast. So, yeah, she didn't look too good, so I wasn't too hype on how she was going to be doing in this fight. I thought it was a bad matchup for her with Wei Li. I thought Wei Li was able to was just going to do everything better, and she sure as shit did, man. She put on a masterclass performance, got the W by rear naked with that weird ass crucifix, uh, taking the back and then sunk in the rear naked in round two, and it was just a beatdown all around, man. Does this set up a third rose fight? I hope not. I don't want to see that. You know, she's 0-2. It kind of does make sense. But Rose is coming off of a loss to Carla. So let's let's have Rose come off of, get a win first, and then we'll set that up. In the meantime, let's get some new blood. Because for the last couple of years, it's been Wei Lee, Carla, and Rose just trading positions, trading the belts around. So uh, let's see Amanda Lemos. Amanda Lemos, Wei Li Zhang. I think that will be a fire-ass matchup. Amanda looked really good. Pulled off an upset in her last matchup. So, uh, yeah, make it happen. Hey, put that on the same card as the one before. Three title fights. All right. Main event, main event. By now, you've already heard 
how this one went down. Israel Adesanya was not able to pull it off. Alex Pereira is now 3-0 against Izzy. 2-0 in kickboxing, 1-0 in MMA. Let me give you a quick breakdown of how each round went. Started off round one, both guys filling each other out, but I kind of thought Alex was winning the first round. Up until about 15 seconds left in the first round when Izzy decided to freaking cock back the right hammer in. Bam! Blasted Alex, stunned his ass with the fucking Iceman right hand. Alex didn't know what the fuck was going on. And then he fought, and then Izzy followed that up with, I think it was a left hook, but it was right at the buzzer. Right at the buzzer. Alex barely knew where he was going. Goddard had to step step in and separate them a little. And Izzy felt confident after that. Izzy was like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm ready. Uh, round two came out. Alex looked like he fully recovered from that shot. But, man, was it not? A, it was a killer shot for sure. If there had been five more seconds, three more seconds left, Izzy could have finished it with another shot or two for dang sure. So uh, Alex got lucky in that in that regards for sure. Let's get to round two. Round two, more of the same. I thought Alex was kind of winning, you know, landing the better shots. If I was going to give a round to Alex, I definitely gave him this round. He ended up stealing the round at the very end by with a sneaky double leg. Didn't do too much damage with it. Just held him down for like five seconds maybe. Then the round ended. Uh, round three, AZ comes back, scores his own takedown, and was just dominating on the bottom. Alex had a really hard time getting back up. Kudos to Izzy working the two-on-one on Alex's right hand was not allowing Alex to get back that get that hand back up. And Alex struggled to get back up. Eventually he did, but Izzy definitely took that round. Had damage from top, damage from the bottom. Looked like he was about to take the back, but just couldn't, but just dominated. A lot of ride time, a lot of mat time. So scored that takedown. We go to round four. More of the same from what we saw in round two and three, I guess. As far as Izzy's side, he was landing a lot of shots, staying on the outside. Uh, but as far as it went, I gave that round to Izzy. So we're going into round five now. I had it three rounds to one. I didn't know. And me and Alfonso are texting back and forth in between rounds, and we're agreeing on it each one. Uh, Alfonso gave... One round to Alex. I'm sure it was round two, I believe, that he did because I definitely gave round two to Alex. But every other round was Izzy, Izzy, Izzy round one, Izzy round three, Izzy round four. Going into round five, Izzy was definitely in control of this fight. As the fight went on, Izzy was in control of round five. According to Dana White, in the corner of Alex, his corner told him, you're losing this fight. You need to finish him right now. You need to let your hands go. Make it happen. Five minutes from now, you're going to be champ. What ends up happening? Uh, maybe like two minutes into the round, Alex throws a leg kick, stumbles Izzy. Alex falls it up with the right hand, and that put Izzy on Queer Street. Then a little bit later, he falls it up with the left hand, and it was almost lights out. Izzy was on skates, pressed up against the cage, Bobbing and weaving, but as he was doing it, he was taking shots each in time. Every shot wasn't landing, but enough shots were landing that Goddard ended up stepping in, put an end to the fight. 
And yeah, we got and new, just like me and Nady said. And that was it, man. Dana White, like I said, I, I told you guys what Alex, his corner told him. What a freaking speech they must have gave him. They just basically said, hey, you're going to be world champion in five minutes. That's some crazy shit. Crazy, crazy stuff. So what's next? Kazuma Chimaev has been chirping. He did not take long to get on Twitter. Wants the next title shot. But, dude, who has he fought at 185? It's been so long. He's been doing a lot of damage at 170. You know, he just barely got back, got past Durinho in his last fight, who Durinho used to fight at 155. So I know Alex has zero wrestling right now. But is Cosmo going to be able to get him down before Alex puts him to sleep? I kind of almost see like a repeat of the uh, Sean Strickland fight for some reason. I just see uh, Cosmo walking in a bunch of shots. And, just, and you know, I see Cosmo totally disrespecting Pereira's power. Uh, he's world class, man. This is another level. Everyone's saying we've never had a striker in the UFC like this. And I would have to agree, man. We've had kickboxers before. But we never had someone like this. I mean, Izzy was dominating the scene for so long, outclassing everybody. So much so that nobody's been able to do anything to Izzy for the last three years. And Alex came in in his fifth fight in the UFC and was like, hey, hold my beer, y'all. Watch this. Kicked the shit out of Izzy's legs. Stopped him from running around. Pressed him up against the cage. Did basically whatever he wanted to, whenever he wanted to. Everyone was talking about how he was going to gas, and he didn't. You know, so uh, shout out, congratulations to Alex, the new and new middleweight champion of the UFC. Uh, a super sneaky, cool matchup that would be, that's almost being, I feel this fighter's being disrespected. And he got a matchup coming up right now. Pretty soon, I think it gets Paulo Costa. Talk about Bobby Knuckles, y'all. Bobby Knuckles, Whitaker. What if he gets past Polo? Let's set up a Bobby Knuckles matchup against Alex. I know that Izzy's already calling for the matchup. Dana said, hey, he deserves it. So the UFC might just go ahead and set that up right away. But uh, a Bobby Knuckles versus a either, you know, he already went up, tw lost twice to Izzy. So I, we don't really need to see that. But Bobby Knuckles, Alex Pereira matchup would be good. And no doubt that everyone wants to see Alex and Izzy part four. You know, so it'd sell a lot of pay-per-views. UFC would be pretty foolish to, to bypass that. But, yeah, great, great night of fights. All right, let's get to this. Who's number one? Who's number one for last? It was what? This last past Friday. I'm not going to go over all the matchups. Basically, only the submissions pretty much. Uh, the matches I think you should watch. And no doubt you should watch the entire card, but I'm just going to go over the matchups that I really, really enjoyed. And you know what? They're not all submissions. Uh, but just, again, the matchups that I think you should go for sure and watch. Starting with the prelims, Morrissey Ramirez taking on Kevin Carrasco. It was a high-paced match. If you are you enjoy the lower-end weight classes, you like scrambles, you like dudes shooting for takedowns, you like people hunting for submissions. You want to check out this matchup. It was a great, great matchup. A lot of back and forth. Morrissey ended up getting the decision. I kind of thought Kevin was going to – I thought Kevin did a little bit more. But, hey, I'm not a ref and I'm not a judge either. But a uh, fantastic matchup to watch. I thought Kevin attacked more. Morrissey was defending quite a bit. I don't remember Morrissey 
attacking as much, but hey, he got the decision in the end. And uh, like I said, great matchup to watch. Uh, another prelim matchup you should watch: late second replacement Derek Rayfield taking on uh, Andy Var- or taking the place of Andy Varela. So I guess Derek Rayfield is an Andy Varela student, and uh, he took on Joseph Chen, B team purple bell i want to say kids 17 joseph with a z uh freaking dominated just crushed Derek. had Derek in trouble from the get-go passing his guard side control mount side control mount taking the back took basically any position he wanted whenever he wanted ended the match with a z lock looked like he shredded rayfield's knee uh, apparently it's pretty bad injury but we'll see man this kid, Joseph, is the real deal. He's so young, so talented. He ended up, I think he took like third place in the ADCC Oceana trials. And he may have, I don't think he medaled at all in the second European trials. But he did have two impressive wins. I was rather impressed with him. And he just seems to be getting better and better. Like I said, he's only 17. Look out for him in for ADCC 2024. He's freaking ready. He's going to make a splash definitely in 2023. Can't wait to see him on future matchups. Hey, how about a William Tackett versus Joseph? That would be fire matchup, man. All right, let's get to the main card here. I'm only going to be going over a few fights. Like I said, you should watch the entire card. But these three, the if you're going to watch any fight, any matchup on this card, you go watch Fabricio Andre and Ethan Krellison. This matchup was so good. Takedowns, yes. Guard passing, yes. Submissions, attacks, yes. From the bottom, from the top, leg locks, back control, uh, chokes. It had it all, man. It was a really good matchup. I thought that Fabricio was getting the best of Ethan on the feet. Uh, it's so much so that, that Ethan ended up playing, sitting down and just ended up making Fabricio come in. And when he did that, I think he wrestled up, was able to take the back and eventually suck in that rear naked. Both guys pushed the pace. Nobody ever looked tired. Uh, Ethan, like I said, looked super good. Never looked overwhelmed since the eight, since his exit in ADCC, he's just been on fire. Who's next for him? Who's next? Uh, a good matchup I would like to see. And another who's number one competitor, Diego Pato. Diego Pato, Ethan Krellinston. That would be a good, good matchup. Uh, another matchup that you don't want to blink for. It won't take you very long to watch. It'll take you longer to brush your teeth. Uh, might even take you longer to load this video up. Hi, Rita, Luke Griffith. I think it was like 20 seconds, 20 15 seconds? I don't even know. Don't bleak. As soon as the matchup starts, Luke sits down, sucks up Hysum. Before Hysum knows it, Luke's got his ankle in his in deep, and bam, before you know it, Hysum's tapping, and he was super upset. It happened super quick. Uh, but so, like I said, don't bleak. That was a fun matchup to watch. And another cool matchup, and it, this one happened super quick, too. Didn't end as quick as, as the Heisam Rita Luke Griffin matchup, but it ended super quick. Jacob Couch taking on Bruno Matisse. Uh, Jacob Couch secures the arm in guillotine like two, three minutes. 
Dude, this guy's game is just – he's showing you his entire repertoire. This guy's got takedowns, but he doesn't ever show them. He likes to sit down a lot. For the most part, he's usually going for leg locks. That's usually what he's known for. But, man, this time he sat down, looked like uh, Bruno was not going to play the leg game, looked like he was hiding his legs from him quite a bit. But eventually he got him to enter, and when he did, he just sucked that head up, and it was game over. Bruno fought for quite a bit, but he just eventually just couldn't take it, man. I think that Jacob is still a brown belt. I've heard rumors that the Heath over at Pedigal Submission Fighting has been waiting to give him his black belt. I think they want to want it. They're waiting for the timing to be right so that he can compete as a black belt right away. Um, but they might be just waiting for him to compete at Worlds. Make maybe he wins at Worlds and then he gets his black belt. And then he'd be able to compete at Worlds right away instead of having to wait for that year that IBJJF requires you to sit out when you first get your black belt. Because as far as I know, if you're a black belt and it's your first year, you they don't allow you to compete in Worlds, I believe. But if you're a world champion at brown belt, you're automatically in, which is why Ty was able to jump in this last year in his first year. So, yeah. That's a wrap for that Who's Number One show. Exciting show to watch up. Watch. Check it out when you got time. Let's get to the next segment. This is a little segment that I started last week. I told you guys I'm borrowing it from another podcast. Stealing it. Whatever you want to call it. One thing to watch. One thing to read. One thing to look out for. Let's start with one one thing to watch. I just talked about it. Who's Number One. You got to go check out this Who's Number One show. I just went through three matches on the main card. Two matches in the prelims, but literally every matchup in the prelims, fire. Every matchup on the main card, fire. I didn't even talk about Colabate and Damian Anderson. That matchup is so good. I might just do a whole episode about that later on. Uh, so, again, one thing to watch, go watch last weekend's Who's Number One show. Go get the password from your homie. Go get Alfonso's credit card. Totally worth the watch. One thing to read. Later this week, I will be uploading my blog on MMA Past Heroes. You know, just this passing of Rumble Johnson got me in the fields and got me feeling nostalgic. I want to talk about some old pride fights, man. I want to do an episode where I talk about some some of my favorite pride moments, some of my favorite early UFC moments. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start a blog. Check it out on our new website. Uh, it's got a new name, JJC2C.net. So it's a little bit easier to find than jjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjj
Thank you for listening. Hope you all enjoyed it again. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at JJC2C Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, please, please, please give us a like. Give us a follow. Subscribe to this podcast on any of your major or your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you can find your favorite podcast. Or you can just head over to our new website. It's actually not a new website, just a new website URL. It's shorter, uh, but it's easy to remember. It's just jjc2c.net where you can find all our videos, all our episodes, that new blog that I was talking about. Uh, Until next time, Jujiteros, keep rolling and training, and we hope to hear from you soon. Peace. This is The Motivation. (laughs) 